Today's reading comes from the the first book of Thessalonians. That's Thessalonians chapter 2 and starting at verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all today. <laughs> now, as you look back over your life, are there moments that you can remember which have been encounters of people that have changed the, your life forever? Is anything come to mind? <laughs> now, when I was thinking about it, I, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> I, I was thinking back, and there was there was no one particular person or, or encounter that I can think of that, that said, "Oh, that was a meeting that, that changed my life." Going on, that doesn't mean there haven't been those meetings. I just haven't realised it at the time. So, for example, I I can't quite remember the exact moment when I uh, met my wonderful wife Morag. That could be a rough time, but not specific. I can't remember the exact time that I met one of my best friends. Those encounters happened and they shaped my life. Well, why do I share that little anecdote? Well, because every Sunday as we gather together, we have an encounter. Sometimes those encounters we will remember for the rest of our lives. We'll, we'll remember that day, that place, and it will stick with us forever. Other days, those encounters might simply keep us going for seven days. What am I talking about? About meeting God in his word, the Bible. Every Sunday is an encounter with God. So as we begin, let's pray for that this morning. Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that in your word we can meet you. And we pray this morning that you would help our hearts and our minds to be lifted up out of the, the good, the bad, or the ugly that we're thinking of and gathered up to you to have our, our gaze lifted to you, our great God and Father. Amen. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been going through this book of 1 Thessalonians. And if you heard Phil speak a few weeks ago now, on the first part of that chapter, chapter 2, you would have heard him speaking about how uh, Paul is explaining his own ministry. 
how he says that he is there to, to please God and love people. And then Phil really helpfully just uh, brought that down and said, actually, that's a ministry that we're all involved in. Uh, we should all be those that are seeking to please God and love people. And now in our, our few verses we've got this morning, Paul brings our attention back to the Thessalonians. Uh, and once again, he, he's thanking God for them, uh, gushing uh, with sort of praise for them. And he does that by saying uh, he thanks them they've received God's word and then they've lived uh, changed lives. And so here's the, the first thing that we need to see today. It's from the first part of verse 13. Hear his voice. Hear his voice. If you've got a Bible on your phone or something, um, have a look at the first part of verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but it, as it actually is, the word of God. When Paul, Silas and Timothy uh, came to speak to this small uh, church in Thessalonica, they spoke using words they might understand, in ways they might understand, but they spoke the word of God. Did you catch that? It's remarkable. They used human words, words that be relatable, but as they did, they were speaking the very words of God. And Paul thanks God that they, the Thessalonian church accepted them as that. Just dwell on that for a moment. The words were not special. The people were not special. Indeed, this is not just Paul here, the great apostle Paul, who we might say has apostolic authority, or, or in other words, in plain English, someone who's been specifically seen and released by the risen Lord Jesus. No, these are just Paul and Silas and Timothy. But as they spoke, something extraordinary happened. God's voice was heard. God's voice was heard. And that's extraordinarily profound. So what does it mean? Well, it means that actually the reason we don't just have Bible readings, we don't just simply stand up and just read the Bible. No, we stand up and, and preach. We stand up and take God's word and give it a voice. It means that when somebody stands up here in the pulpit and open God's word, because that's really where the authority lies, God's voice is heard. Or perhaps more pointedly and directly, when somebody stands up in the local church, opens the Bible and preaches to you using human words, it is God's voice to you being spoken to you. Taking human words, preaching on the written word, taking us to the living word. 
So let's unpack that a little bit. Straight off the bat, then, does that mean that the, the words of the preacher are infallible? In gospel truth. Firstly, absolutely not. That is definitely not the case. We, we don't take a transcript of the sermon and, and unpack it in our small groups the same way we do the scriptures. Because they are human words. That they will contain mistakes, either in our understanding of the Bible or just the way we put things. And of course, we're simply talking about the sermon rather than any chat in the car park afterwards. So what's going on there? More no, the power is in the word. So as long as my words or the preacher's words are, are from the Bible uh, and are helping us get our, our heads and our hearts understanding what God is saying, then we're being led and taken to the living word, to the Lord Jesus. So just drilling that down then, uh, every sermon that is preached Sunday by Sunday uh, that seeks to open up the Bible to us is God's way of feeding us, of drawing us closer to himself, uh, of ultimately talking to us. Consider that. (laughs) A sermon is not simply a set of things to remember, although remembering is a good thing. It's the living God who says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Uh, Some weeks, some encounters, you you may remember for life. You remember that sermon, that message, uh, that voice, if you will, coming to you. You know the time, the date, the place. Others? Maybe forgotten. Maybe by lunchtime, maybe by the next song. But it is God's way of feeding you for that week. The sermon in the local church is the primary way God feeds his people. The sermon in the local church is the primary way he feeds that particular group of people. Uh, So that means that the the local sermon is the primary way we're fed. It it means that actually the local sermon in the church is of greater value than uh, downloading a sermon from uh, the likes of Keller, Piper or John Stott. Uh, please don't mishear me. Um, I've drawn enormous benefit from those men and others as well. But it's as if I'm the secondary listener. I'm easing in onto a, another message. That the primary way that God uses is in the church feeding his people. So even though preachers may not be as gifted, certainly true today, it's God's voice to his people in the local church. So how should we respond? Well, or maybe you've, um, you've heard the story of the, the church warden who uh, would write a little number in, in the service register. And the visiting preacher said, what, what are those numbers about? Uh, and he said, oh, that's just me uh, just giving the score out of 10 for each sermon. Now I've checked the register. There's no numbers in here. Um, <laughs> Now, the preacher's job is not to be clever or funny. It's not to be short or long. The preacher's job is to herald Christ. And then when we're in the congregation, when we're gathered, we're to listen. Really listen. Listen to Jesus. So that when we're coming to church on Sunday morning, says, oh, where are you going? 
we could say, I'm going to hear Jesus. And then be humble as we listen to that. Be quick to sit under it and slow to sit above it. Because we need to hear his voice. But then secondly, we need to remember to let the word do the work. Verse 13 keeps going. Uh, You accepted it, not as a human word, but it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Now, I was searching around my car to find a jack, and I discovered I don't have one. My car needs a jack, apparently. It's got some other sort of thing you put in it. It's rather changing tires. But um, but I wonder if you ever used a car jack. I've used it once with a different car somewhere down the A27 near Chichester. We blew a tire, and I needed to get it up. The rest of the time, I just call the AA or whoever is taking my money uh, in my roadside assistance cover to do the work for me. But, but a jack is amazing, isn't it? That little device can lift up a whole car. It can literally do the heavy lifting for you. I mean, it'd be a bit useless, wouldn't it? So I said to Morag, oh, when you change the tire, I'm just going to pick the car up and you can change the tire. I mean, that just would never work. We just wouldn't be able to do it at all. The jack does all the work. The word does all the work. It was God's word that came to the church in Thessalonica. And it was God's word that did the work. Uh, that is what it did. Uh, you see, God's word brought life to the lifeless. It turned hearts that were stone cold into a beating source of life. It changes situations, people. It literally has changed the world. God's word is dynamite, gold, water, and oxygen all rolled into one. It's God's word that works. It's God's word that changes people. It's God's word that changes lives. It is God's word that has turned the world upside down. The reformer Martin Luther uh, was speaking against uh, the Catholic Church at the time, who, who he opposed because they were claiming that there was faith in Christ by other means other than soul faith in Christ. Uh, and he said these words. He says, take myself as an example. I oppose indulgences and all the papists, but never with force. And here's the bit. I simply taught, preached, and wrote God's words. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept or drank Wittenberg beer with my friends Philip and Amsdorf, the words so greatly weakened the papacy that no prince or emperor ever inflicted such losses upon it. I did nothing. The word did everything. I did nothing. The word did everything. It is God's word that works. Do you believe that? Uh, Today, uh, as we hear uh, God's word from the Bible, it has the power to do more than we can possibly imagine. And that's why we place the Bible at the center of all that we do. On a Sunday morning, we want to hear God's word, because that'll bring change. In our evangelism, we we want to put God's word at the center of what we do, because that will bring life. And I really believe that the single greatest thing that we can do for our friends is to pray for them, and then seek to get God's word open with them. 
Now, I know that probably sounds really daunting and really hard to think, how could I open the Bible with, with somebody who's not a Christian? But it is God's word that can do it. And whether we do that in a lounge, a coffee shop, a pub, a canteen, a desk, it is God's word that has the power. So why not say, actually, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a bit scared by it. I know it's hard, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for, for Sally for six months. I'm going to pray that, Lord, please help me at Christmas to have a chance to speak to Sally. And then maybe after Christmas, please help me to have a chance to, to, to look at Jesus in the Bible with her. I wonder who that might be for you. Just take five seconds and just think, who might that person be? that you want to pray for and seek to open God's word with. Hear his voice. Let the word do the work. But then lastly, see how you've changed. If you've joined us on our journey through 1 Thessalonians, then last time I was preaching uh, was chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. And in the last few verses, verses 9 and 10 uh, of that chapter, we see how Paul says, uh, we, you've been known that you've, you've turned from serving idols to turning to, to serving the living God. Their faith has been made known. They've turned away from their old life to serve Christ. And so Paul says, look, I know that you've accepted the faith. I know that God's word that you heard and received has worked in you because you're changed. You're just like the rest of God's church. I know you feel isolated, just like them. But you're persevering despite your suffering. You're suffering for the faith from the people in your own land. Just like the church in Judea were. Your faith is real. Now, just at this point, it's worth saying that some people believe that verses 15 and 16 weren't written by Paul. They say, well, Paul couldn't have possibly written these things. They're, they're so uh, anti-Jewish. But there's no textual reason for us to think that this is, this is an addition or, or difference. So is Paul really uh, anti-Semitic? Well, of course, it's not fair just to, to look at these two verses and say, well, this is our sum total of all that we know about Paul. No, because, of course, we have verses like in, in Romans uh, 9. We read this. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. And here's the key bit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For if I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Romans 9, 1 to 4. Paul loved the Jews. He loved the Jews. So what are these words here doing, describing in verses 15 and 16 particularly? They're describing the reality Both the writers, the Jews were responsible for Jesus' death on the cross. Not solely. The Romans killed him, and it was, of course, our sin that led him there. But that does not absolve the Jews. 
And also it was the Jews who stoned Paul in Acts 14. Now, Paul is not denouncing the Jews because they're the Jews. He's denouncing those that are opposed to God's plans and purposes. And the final line of verse 16, the wrath of God has come upon them at last, is Paul simply commenting, saying, look, God's judgment is falling upon them. We don't know what that exactly looked like. It's likely referring to something that was happening at that particular moment rather than a future judgment. But Paul links the two because they've opposed God. They're now experiencing the consequences. Paul is saying, you heard the word. You received, you heard Jesus. You received the word. It did its work. And now you've been changed. So how does this land for us in in Leafy Hove today? We're unlikely to be those that face the same sort of opposition, are we? We're not going to be stoned or beaten for confessing the faith. It might be that we will face some opposition and persecution. But here's the key bit. If we're those that have heard the word, the word has worked in our life, then there will be change. The Lord would have wrought change through his word. So what's that change look like for you as you look back? Maybe you used to get angry very quickly. And now that's become less. Not perfect, but there's been change, there's been growth. Maybe you used to have a, a critical or judgmental spirit, and now you're much more generous. Maybe you were the school or work uh, gossip, and now you don't. Maybe you've noticed yourself that actually now you don't just have a love for people in your family, but you have a a love for all people, a love in the church, and a, and a love for those that are, are lost. Maybe you've just been willing to serve without grumbling. As we look back, what is the way the Lord, what's the good ways the Lord has been working in your life to bring change? It can be hard sometimes to do that on our own. Sometimes we need to do that with other people to to say, you know what, I've just really noticed how the Lord's been working in your life. That's a really great thing the Lord has been doing. We're building each other up and we're praising God because he's doing the work. So I wonder who might be able to have that conversation with you in your small group or maybe we have little friendship conversations we could have those discussions in. But as we hear his voice, his word will do the work It will bring change. At the start, I talked about encounters that will change our life. And here, Paul is saying, is thanking God, rather, that this church has had an encounter with Jesus. They have heard his voice. Because that's what we really mean. The voice that we hear Sunday by Sunday is not the preachers. It's Jesus. It's his voice. And then it's his word that does the work. And as his word works, change happens. So every week, every Sunday is a profound encounter with Jesus. Sometimes those encounters we may remember for the rest of our lives. And those are very good things, aren't they? Other days, it might just simply be the Lord's way of keeping you One more week.
when we hear the Bible preach, when we hear a sermon, something special is happening. We hear Jesus. That's amazing. And as we hear Jesus, his word will work and we will be changed. And when I hear a sermon, that's what I long will happen, that I will hear Jesus in his words. His word will work and I'll be changed. I wonder how that will change all of our listening if we thought of that week by week. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your words. We thank you that you've not left us to be abandoned or or tossed to and fro by our culture. We thank you that you have spoken. And Father, we pray that you would help us to hear your voice. And as we hear your voice, Lord, trusting your word will do its work. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us more and more conform to the image of your son. And we pray, Lord, that as your word works, it will bring life to many. Help us to be humble and to sit underneath it today and always. Amen.